Read about the Northern Wrestling Federation in the book presented by Russellville.com, The The Pro Pro Wrestling Wrestling Fault, Volume 2. Hear the story of Roger Ruffin, the man who trained Carl Anderson, Anderson, the Monster Abyss, Jordan Clearwater, Chris Harrison, Jillian Hall. Plus 45 other short stories including Jazz, Bobby Eaton, Kamala, Thunder Rosa, Mario Mancini, Scott Casey, PJ Black, Carrie Morton, Sal Renaro, Jeremiah Plunkett, Colby Carino, Bam Bam Malone, and many others. Get your book today at Russellville.com. Russellville. It's where wrestling lives. Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon. This is Moonshine Mantel, and you're listening to the Wrestleville Podcast, where wrestling lives. to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and my guest today is Moonshine Mantel, professional wrestler of nearly 10 years. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How about I'm doing really good. Hey, thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for coming on the show. I've been wanting to uh, get in touch with you. And first, first time, first couple of times I was uh, uh, reaching out to you is probably cold, cold calling you, right? You're like, who is this guy? Yeah, yeah, man. And that's the thing, like people don't realize as wrestlers. And I mean, I'm sure in any form of entertainment, when you put yourself out there or whatever, like sometimes you get like weirdos, you know, coming in your messages and stuff. And it's just like sometimes you don't know who to filter out who's, you know, serious and who's not and everything like that. So sometimes it's a little bit like, you know, hot or cold. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 I totally get it. You know, uh, there's a lot of wrestlers that that want to do it. But, you know, I got to I got to remember, too the people that know me are the ones that know me. Right. I mean, it's not like I'm not known all over the wrestling world. I have to understand that too. You know. Right. Right. Talk about your career. Uh, 10 years is, is a long time to, to be in the business. Some might say, Oh, 10 years isn't long, but 10 years is a long time. Yeah. Tell, yeah. Tell my body that man. <laughs> I feel it every day. How did you get started? So I originally started off uh, like just about 10 years ago. I started my training um, down at the Texas Wrestling Academy in San Antonio. I trained under Rudy Gonzalez. Um, I trained under Rudy for about a good year. The thing about Rudy and the thing that I'll always be so appreciative with about him is um, that first year, he really like, you know, just took me on the road. And like every weekend we were going somewhere and he was getting me bookings constantly. And he was just taking me on the road, whether we were going to Louisiana Tennessee you know one time we drove from San Antonio all the way to Brooklyn New York you know we made trips to like North Carolina you know so we were making a lot of trips and I'll forever be thankful because that first year it really helped me out um after that first year I also started training a little bit with uh Funaki uh show Funaki um WWE uh Funaki uh so he he used to have a school in San Antonio as well I trained with him for a little bit and um, after training with him a little bit, I actually uh, kind of networked my way and got a uh, opportunity to go over to Japan and um, tr- uh, wrestle and train with the Kai and Tai Dojo. Now it's called uh, Just Tap Out, but it's run by Takamichi Noku. And uh, I got to go over there for about three months, man. And it was great. It was a great time and a great learning experience. And all that learning went on within the first year, year and a half of my career. I wanted to ask you about the the traveling and going to Brooklyn and 
North Carolina and the different places. And of course, Japan too. I mean, you, you can't, you can't get more different than that, but when you're traveling, you're talking about a learning experience like nothing else, right? Absolutely. You know, you learn a lot on the road, you know, and, you know, just talking about wrestling, just listening to guys talk, you know, um, you just, you, you appreciate more about the businessman and it's, it's just being on the road. There's something about it, something therapeutic about it, especially, you know, after a long, you know, long day and, you know, you have a long match or whatever like that, you know, just coming home. There's something, there's something therapeutic about being on the road with the boys, man. And uh, so I was very, very grateful for that from that first year because it was a I got a lot of knowledge dropping, you know, and it's just, you know, you're in the car and you got an eight hour drive home. So what else are you going to talk about? You're going to talk about what happened that night. You're going to talk about from the uh, top of uh, the bottom of the card all the way to the top. You know, you're going to go through all the matches and, you know, pick apart everything, what you like, what you didn't like. But it was a great time, man, and a great learning experience. And like I said, just something that man, not a lot of guys and girls get that, you know, their first year, you know, so I was, I'm very grateful for that. When you're dissecting the matches in the, in the, the car ride home, are you, are you talking about like somebody's entrance or your entrance or how your entrance could have been better or a certain bump or, you know, are you talking about missed opportunities as a wrestler you know we're our own worst enemies when it comes to dissecting our own matches you know so we'll we'll find any and every little thing to nitpick about a match or you know oh you know if this that whatever you know we're our own worst enemies as far as picking apart our matches and stuff you know not really am i too like worried about you know oh you know i, I effed up the entrance unless i fall down or something like that or something serious you know but more or less just just stuff that happens in the match man just little things little things that you know fans aren't even aware of that's the thing about wrestlers you know we get more pissed off about the stuff that no one even knows really what happened you know so we're our own worst enemies and you know we we can sit there and a match that we you know after we get to the back and it's like hell yeah that you know we nailed that shit you know two three four hours later after dissecting it it was oh it was the worst match of my career you know <laughs> so <laughs> well it's funny that you say that because in my field i do video production and you know, we make mistakes all the time, but the untrained eye is not going to pick up on it. Right. right. But, but we know what happened. And that's probably the same way with you, you know, a fan out in the crowd. Hey man, I just want to see some wrestling. Right. And, right. That, and that's exactly what I'm watching, but I'm not, I'm not looking at it the way that, yeah. that you are. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and then I, I had, I had someone who, you know, has done well for themselves in the business once tell me, you know, fans expectations are about our expectations of wrestlers are about around here. Fans are about down here, you know, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, you can't beat yourself up all the time. You got to find a good middle. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Because the fan is, I think the fan's going to be happy no matter what, you know, right. and I'm in, in, because I've, I've gone to some shows that, that maybe didn't meet my expectation, but it wasn't the worst thing I ever went to. <laughs> right. You, and at the end of the day, man, wrestling is all about having fun, going out there, you know, putting, putting, being intense, having a good time, man, and, you know, going out there and showing what you can do, man. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's wrestling, pro wrestling is fun. What is it about pro wrestling for you? Is it the, I don't know, is it the uh, – the physicality. Uh, I, I kind of like the characters, right? Like the, the pageantry and the, in the storylines and um, you know, Danny Ramones. 
Absolutely. Love I, I love watching Danny. I've got to see him like three times this year and he's, nice. he's a lot of fun, you know? So I like stuff like that. What, what, what do you like? I've always been drawn to more like the more intense style, the more physical style, you know, the more like brawling type style. That's just, you know, I guess that's more what I've always emulated, what I've always been drawn to about wrestling. But don't get me wrong, man. I you know, I love everything about wrestling. I love the, the comedy stuff. I love, you know, I, I love tag team wrestling. I love gimmick matches, man. I mean, you know, anything and everything about wrestling, I you know, I'm all for it, man. So um, just because that's my, my style and that's what I'm more drawn to and everything like other facets of wrestling, you know, maybe not as physical or, you know, as intense. How old were you when you got started? How old was I? Yeah. Uh, what I was 24. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And so 24 years old and, uh, you started out, uh, out of San Antonio. What were, what were you doing before pro wrestling? I, I was in a college. I mean, I was in college. I was finishing up college, man. And, um, so I got out of high school, you know, long story short, when I was a kid, I, I decided I want to be a professional wrestler by about the age of 10 or 11. Right. So going through high school and everything like that, you know, my family never went to went to college or anything like that. It's just something my family didn't do. I grew up, you know, going through high school with the whole intention of getting out of high school and going straight into wrestling. Right. But the more research I did, you know, and I specifically want to credit this to McFoley. And I got to tell him this in his book. He said the most important thing for all wrestlers who are wanting to get into the business is to have some sort of backup plan. Right. So I really took that to heart. And, um, you know, so I went to college, you know, it took me a long, a little bit longer than expected. I had some legal issue. I, that's another story, but I had some stuff going on. And yeah, by the time I got it, I was in my last semester of college. And that's when I started my wrestling training. Cause I was just, I was so ready to get it done, you know, get after it and just, you know, get it done. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, last year, senior year of college, you know, full-time student, I was working, you know, 30 hours a week and then also driving an hour, an hour, uh, uh, to and from uh, San Antonio to do my wrestling like three to four days a week, you know? So it was a tough grueling, you know, three, four months, you know, but it, it was all worth it, man. Right. Right. Well, in an era where there's a lot of what I call, uh, you know, lightweight wrestlers, you know, smaller guys, it's, it's nice to see a big guy like yourself. I mean, you've, you know, you've got some muscle on you. You're a big dude. And, you know, what, what do you, what do you weigh? Uh, around like 240. Okay. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not a small guy. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and for me, you know, when I grew up watching wrestling in the eighties, it was big guys, right. You right. know, and, yeah. and so now when I see big guys, I really appreciate them because to me, um, I mean, it's, I guess it's, it's what I used to, but, it's it's the believability right i mean right. you know for for us you know cuz you see it all the time big guys and small guys and it's like okay i mean i'll i'll play along but <laughs> right the other day man it's just you know you don't have to be a you know a big jacked up guy or anything like that but you got to look like you're imposing you got to look like someone had to think twice before they would cross you you know you got to think you know you got to be at least a little bit of intimidating. It's got to have some athletic look towards it. You know, there are few that can get away with having, you know, absolutely no look and they're, but they're very few and far between, but yeah, I agree with you, man. It's, it's nice. You know, whenever you see like more athletic built and guys who are built up and everything like that, I, I definitely appreciate that more 
my whole philosophy is ever since I was a kid and even now, you got to look the part, man. So if you want to be on TV, you want to be taken seriously by the fans and everything like that, you got to look the part. In my first few years, it kind of came into the business already, you know, developed and everything like that. My body was developed because I knew going into it, you know, I got to look the part. So, yeah, I agree with you, man. It's, it's real refreshing to see uh, guys and girls out there who, you know, actually put in the time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, talk to us a little bit about your your career. So you're based out of Texas, right? Um, I'm sure you did a lot of wrestling in Texas, along with the the traveling that you've already mentioned. But uh, where were some of the prom- uh, promotions here in Texas that you spent some time with? Um, let's see, uh, branded outlaw wrestling, uh, reality of wrestling, uh, Booker T's, uh, uh, project. Let's see. Inspire pro, uh, VIP wrestling, uh, Texoma, Texoma pro. Um, let's see, uh, MPX, MPX wrestling. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm, I'm already forgetting some. SWE? Oh, SWE, SWE, RIP. They're not around anymore, but yeah, SWE, man, had a lot of, you know, had a lot of good memories. I got to sit under the learning tree from um, from a lot of uh, you know very uh, prominent individuals in wrestling there. So that was cool, man. It was a great experience, a great learning experience. You know when that when that promotion came out, um, it was very different from the very beginning to the very end. Would you agree? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. You, if you remember the early days, you know, that it's just, it goes not only from a level in the roster, not, not saying, you know, the roster in the very beginning was, you know, bad or anything like that, but as SWE progressed and got bigger and the shows were getting bigger and the, you know, there's more in the crowd, they, you know, and then we started picking up some steam and everything like that, you know, and I'll give, I'll give the people in charge, um, um, all the credit in the world because they really did come down on a lot of talent. And they said, you know, if you're going to be working here, you got to look a certain way. you got to present yourself a certain way and that kind of stuff. So they kept up with that. But yes, as you were saying, man, as it's, as it started, as it started, you know, not only with the talent, did they weed out the talent and they got in the biggest and the best talent, you know, cause you saw in the names they were bringing, but also just with the crowd, you know, there was a little tiny crowd. We were out in the boondocks, you know, and we're in like a showroom barn, you know, not a showroom barn, like a ballroom barn. And going from there to going to bigger venues all over North Texas, man, um, they really grew leaps and bounds, you know, and they you know, they really invested a lot of money. And uh, they, you know, I thought they had some steam going for a little while, man. But, uh, you know, just like most things in wrestling, you know, they tend to break your heart sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I thought maybe they moved a little too fast. But, you know, what I what I liked about it in the beginning was, you know, it really looked to me like they were taking this independent talent like these, you know, not so super known people. Right. I mean, it seemed like they were going somewhere with it to me. I I just thought, wow, you know, you're, you're putting these these people on the map because I had a friend of mine um, in Connecticut and he was like enamored by SWE and this was in the early days and I and I would tell him I said yeah man I really see some promise in this but then it it just started looking like I mean no offense to anybody but it just looked like a national it wasn't homegrown anymore 
Yeah, they were trying. I maybe, and I, you know, I kind of going back to what you said. Maybe a little growing a little bit too quick, you know, because they were doing it. Just it didn't really make sense because everything was going well. The crowd was there. The you know the fan inter- the interaction was there online. Everything the YouTube numbers were great and everything like that. And um, you know. I just I think they got, you know, maybe a little bit too big, too quick moving in that direction. And then I think it kind of, you know, once it started crumbling down, it just kind of bottomed out, man. Yeah. Well, that was a that was a shame because it like I said, I I really was excited about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. And I, you know, I loved every minute of SWE. You know, it was cool sitting under the Kevin Sullivan learning tree, you know, developing a relationship with him, you know, uh, learning from him, learning from Teddy Long, you know, uh, continuing to learn from Jack Stane and Charlie Haas and uh, Rodney Mack, Tim Storm, guys like that who are involved, you know, who I've been really learning from from my entire career, but even more so, you know, just being in the locker rooms of those kind of guys, you know, it's just, um, it was a good atmosphere, you know, and I miss it. And I'm, I'm, you know, a little pissed off the way it ended and everything, but it, you know, it is what it is. Sure. Sure. What was the deciding factor for you to go to Kansas? Basically once the pandemic hit, I, I had already been planning on getting out of Texas. I just didn't know where I was going to go. And um, whenever I, I actually lived in Kansas city prior to moving back to Texas, I was signed um, to a full-time deal with a company called NWL. And I signed a full time contract, moved up to Kansas City. This is back in like 2017. Moved up to Kansas City. It was an awesome deal. You know, they paid all my living expenses. You know, I got, it was kind of like, you know, being signed to NXT, but like they paid for like everything. You know what I mean? It was great. We had our own, you know, our own gym, our own uh, coaches, that kind of stuff. Once that ended, I went back to Texas, did my thing for a few years. And then uh, the pandemic hit. Well, before I went back to Texas, um, I, I met someone in Kansas City and we started a relationship. So it was kind of to that point whenever the pandemic hit, it was like, well, I'm looking for a reason to get out of Texas. You know, I don't know where I want to go, but I need to go somewhere, you know, just to get away and do, do my thing somewhere else. You know what I mean? And then, um, you know, it was basically with her and I, it was basically like, OK, well, where are we going to go next in our relationship? You know, are we going to you know, continue this long distance thing or, you know, it's kind of like we're going to piss or get off the pot situation. Right. So it's just uh, I decided to move in up with her uh, to Kansas City. Been up here for about a few years now, man. And um, while I was up here, the biggest thing I it would get to me every time because it would take me over like, you know, an hour to hour and a half to go train, you know, somewhere. And there was no school in Kansas City. So one of my biggest gripes when I'm back here, I was just like, man, you know, first chance I get, I'm going to find a way to provide a school for Kansas City and provide so we don't have to drive so far. And, you know, over the last two years, that's kind of what I've been able to do. And that's kind of uh, gave me a reason to stick around in Kansas City, you know, and try to develop talent around here and continue to do my own thing. Yeah, that that's got to be uh, pretty rewarding when you when you say, I mean, to be able to do that when you because I recently talked to uh, uh Houston Carson. Yeah. And he was talking about his school and the way he, he built it up and, you know, he had these aspirations of uh, getting this school and he had this idea of how he wanted it to be, but it's got to be pretty rewarding passing on something that you, you love so much to these, these people who have this dream of doing it. Right. 
Oh, absolutely, man. I love it. And, um, you know, what I'm finding out, you know, I've uh, training people because I do personal training a little bit outside of wrestling, too. But, you know, training people has always been another huge passion of mine, man. So um, combining the passion that I have for training and then that with my love of professional wrestling, um, it's it's way past reward. You know, I'm blessed beyond measures to be able to do this and, you know, actually, you know, do it for a living, you know? So, um, yeah, man, the, the, the training, the training individuals, it's, it's very rewarding kind of seeing as you train and everything. And, you know, just as things start to click a little bit for them, you know, and you get, you kind of see that light turn on, you know, those are the rewarding moments of it, you know? So, um, I'm very excited about what the future holds for, um, the, the Kansas city pro wrestling Academy. So, so you have a, a ring, you have mats. What do you have? Yeah, we got rings. We got mats. We got, we got crash pads. We, uh, we have gym equipment that has to be hauled from uh, uh, Texas all the way back. That's going to happen in the next couple months, but I have, you know, full gym equipment. So yeah, man, we have, we have, we have the whole kit and caboodle, man. We're doing good so far. So I, and we got, um, we've had Brian Keith uh, out of reality of wrestling. He came and just did a, a seminar with us a few weeks ago. And then we got uh, a steel coming in in a few weeks doing a seminar are you guys planning to put on shows too or do you already do that we don't do that yet and um that's kind of something we've talked about that's kind of something maybe you know later on we might you know uh, try to dip our toes in but uh for now we're just mainly focused on you know training the guys and girls and then you know helping them get bookings out somewhere else i see you know you mentioned uh nwl a little bit ago was marty bell involved with that Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Marty was, uh, Marty was signed along with myself and, um, yeah, that's, uh, Marty Bell, myself, um, Dak Draper, um, the Hallett's that's hoodie Hallett is who I, uh, run the school with, um, Jake Durden, dirty Jake Durden, uh, KLD, Mike Outlaw were signed for a little while. Yeah. It was a good group of people. Yeah. Bolt Brady. That's who oh. I had the mind part on. If I didn't say that, I was going to feel terrible. <laughs> I remember uh, coming across uh, NWL and uh, I, I was watching it there for a little bit and I I really enjoyed the product. I, I oh, Yeah, I thought it was good. For me, you know, I like the fact that there was some recognizable names, but yeah. the talent was good. And I felt like it wasn't like uh, I was being introduced to somebody I didn't know. You know, I mean, like I said, I was familiar with some of the names. So, but to me, I just, I thought it was a good product. Yeah, man. Um, I wrestled there under the name Maverick. Um, we were, it was something in Kansas City. It was crazy because, you know, we go out there and people knew who we were. You know what I mean? It was just, it was something here. We did very good cable numbers for the Kansas city area and for any other market that we we're in, we did decent numbers, man. YouTube numbers and everything weren't all that great, but like, as far as our cable numbers, we did badass in that, you know, for something that was so, so young in its uh, development. But um, yeah, man, that's the, the whole, um, the whole creation and demise of NWL is a whole nother venture, man. It's, it's, it's crazy how it ended. It sucks how it ended because it all came to a crashing halt, you know, and nobody saw it coming, but um yeah, man, it was it was great uh, being signed, you know, not only, you know, financially, but it really um, it really helped me develop even more, you know, because right. I, when I went into NWL, you know, there was a lot of things that I, you know, I needed more than, you know, help with, you know, more than a little bit of polish here and there. But, dude, uh, you know, with everyone who was signed on that roster, it was great because we all, you know, we held each other accountable. We got each other better. And, you know, we really strive to make the best product possible.
by listening to you and hearing some of your stories, I bet there's, you know, with just as much, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just as much uh, highs you've had many lows, right. And, oh yeah. And that's the thing, man. And that's what, you know, that's what I, I kind of alluded to earlier, you know, wrestling will break your heart, man. Cause I've had, you know, I've been on top of the world and then within seconds, it's all, gone just like that you know and you know just like with the swe thing we were told and promised a lot of things were going to be coming in the future and then when it was supposed to get revamped and come back alive the same thing you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys in wrestling man you know and it comes with a lot of hard hard times sometimes you know and it's 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 as much as our bodies get beaten up, it's just as much as a mental, you know, stress too. You know what I mean? That, that takes a part too, man. My advice to any young wrestlers out there is, you know, always be skeptical and don't believe it until it's on paper right in front of you. You know what I mean? The little, little heartbreaks here and there, but you know, for the most part, you know, that's life. Would you tell like a, a young wrestler, like to, um, you know, uh, maybe not settle for a particular, uh, pay or would you have like a, a specific number? I mean, how would you help them? Because, you know, I've heard, I've heard some wrestlers tell me, he goes, well, um, I can't wrestle over there because people are willing to wrestle for $20, you know, it's like, what, I mean, what's your advice? I've always taken this attitude towards it since I started, even when I was young in the business. Um, my advice to any wrestler out there is, you know, what you just alluded to guys and girls, you know, taking cheap paydays or, you know, basically working for basically nothing or free, that's going to happen, you know, but I, my whole kind of theory is behind that is you don't need to be working for those kind of companies anyways. You know, like if companies are going to be that, you know, if they're pinching pennies that much and just getting all this cheap talent who will wrestle for nothing, you know, you kind of get what you pay for. My advice for any young talent out there is when asking for, you know, your pay, there's nothing wrong with starting high, man. Shooting high. Ask your ask for a higher price than you know. I, I, ask for something that you think you're worth. You know, there's too many. I've heard this so many times throughout my career, and it kind of bugs me. You know, because I wish guys and girls would be a little bit more confident about it. But it's just the worst they can say when you shoot them a price is no. You know, and when that happens, and it will. You negotiate, you know, you ask, okay, well, what are you willing to do? You know, and if there's no, if they don't even want to negotiate or don't respond anything back, then it's just, that's bad business. You know what I mean? So, I mean, if they really want to use you and everything like that, you know, I mean, I would, you know, start high, tell them what you think you're worth. If they don't think you're worth that much, there's room to negotiate. If you can negotiate and figure something out, do it like that. But, you know, don't be afraid of this. My biggest um, pet peeve is when, you know, talent is just too afraid to ask for money, you know, because at the end of the day, we're in there basically tearing our bodies apart. Sometimes the long drives to get there and everything like that, but, you know, inside the ring too, you know, so there's a lot that goes into our, you know, into a day of a wrestler besides a eight, 10, 15 minute match. There's hours of prep going into it and everything like that. So guys and girls need to take that in consideration and really be more confident and be, you know, take a little bit of a harder stand when asking for money. Yeah. I can tell just by looking at your arms that you've spent more than about 15 minutes in the gym. <laughs> right. <laughs>
So, hey, how can fans uh, find you on social media? What I really want to put out there right now is uh, the project I got going with the wrestling school. So that's the Kansas City Pro Wrestling Academy, KCPWA, man. It's the only thing the only thing in Kansas City. So if you type in pro, uh, Kansas City Pro Wrestling, it will pop up no matter what. So Kansas City Pro Wrestling Academy – uh, people can follow us there, see what we're doing there with the with the young uh, youngsters and all all the people we got in the, enrolled in the school right now. Uh, you can follow me on all forms of inter, uh, of uh, social media. That's uh, Facebook, Instagram, and um, uh, YouTube and uh, Twitter. All at Moonshine Mantel. And uh, yeah, man, that's what I'm doing right now. Pro wrestling tees. Uh, at Moonshine Man, Moonshine Mantel at Pro Wrestling Tees. Yeah, I'm, that's where you can find me. Everything Moonshine Mantel, everything. Just type in Moonshine Mantel. It's nice and easy for you. If, if the listeners haven't had an opportunity to see you in action, it's it's well worth it because uh, the last match I got to see was uh, the one with you and Max Castiano when he came oh, yeah. up with the chair and yeah, wow. I mean, you guys. I thought you guys were going to tear the building down. I still feel those chair shot max and everything, man. I feel that every day. I'll, one day we're going to go back at it, man. We're going to tear it down again. Well, good, good. Hey, man, I really do appreciate you giving me the time, and I really appreciate you uh, just doing this and, and talking to me. I had a wonderful conversation with you, man. Absolutely, man. I, anytime, man. Anytime you want to do this again, I'm all for it, man. I got <laughs> stories for days, so okay. I'm all about it. All right. Well, thank you again. All right. Thank you. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. The Pro Wrestling Vault. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Barrett Brown, Ricky Morton, Cordell Walker, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 400 photos from the independent scene. Get your book today by going to Russellville.com. Russellville. It's where wrestling lives. Thank you.